deep inside Texas. This is Piper's Talk Radio Show with your host, George McCormick. going on y'all this is your host of piper's talk radio piper george this is another day and another interview i am coming at y'all all the way from east texas talking to a man here in the kind of deep south too that's right folks coming at you from all the way in atlanta georgia we have eric clote of clote pipes eric how are you today sir fantastic doing great that is wonderful so how long have you been making pipes I've been, uh, well, if you, if you count, uh, kit, that's probably been a little over six years or seven years, but, uh, actually doing from stem and bowls, turning them myself and drilling them out myself, uh, that's been about five, I guess. Uh, not a whole lot on the front end, but towards the last three years, really been going at it pretty, pretty strong and really trying to learn the craft, um, spending some time with some different carvers and, and trying to, you know, keep the tradition going and learn how to make them right. All right. And what carvers did you spend some time with? Uh, one of the first guys I went, I actually um, found out that Rad Davis, he's retired now, but fantastic pipe maker, fantastic person too. He was in uh, South Alabama down on the Gulf Shores. And I went down and uh, commissioned a pipe from him and stood over his shoulders and got to watch him, you know, uh, make a pipe from start to finish. And that kind of introduced me to the correct tools, the correct, uh, you know, equipment that you need to make. Uh, pipes as well as kind of got me where I really wanted to, you know, go home and start stocking up on the equipment and, and, uh, pursuing making, you know, something be- better, a little nicer than just kit pipes that were already pre-drilled. So I left, uh, Rads with a new pipe and uh, a lot of information that I'm sure I forgot half of it by the time I actually got all the equipment at my own shop at home. But, uh, that got me started. And between that and the pipe makers forum, uh, I was able to kind of figure out how to get a few of them going. And, um, you know, it's a little daunting at first. There's so much information, but a lot of guys are getting into it. I mean, you kind of need to figure some of it out on your own to get, to get just enough information to figure out what questions to ask next time you go. So uh, I guess uh, about a year and a half or so, maybe two years had passed uh, since I watched Rad and I'd gotten my shop up and running. And I was about the point where I was kind of plateaued. I just couldn't really figure out how to get anything a little better, a little nicer. Um, and that's when I reached out to Grant Batson out of uh, Nashville. And uh, he was nice enough to let me come up. And uh, we worked a day in the shop, and his shop um, kind of hammered out some issues I was having and worked on, you know, making things work a little better. Uh, he gave me a lot of great tips on saving time. Uh, uh, not, not cutting corners, but just better work methods. Uh, and workflow and, and things. Cause he's, man, that guy's a machine. He cranks out a lot of really nice pipes. Um, so I spent the day with him and then shortly thereafter, I think another six months later, went back up and spent a few more days with Grant to learn how to do bamboo and uh, horn and military mounts. So just a couple of fancy things I wanted to add to my, you know, bag of tricks. So we spent a couple more days there and I got those under my belt. Um, went back and did a few national shows and a couple other shows 
after that. Um, and then last year, I believe it was, I signed up for the Briar Lab, which you talked to Sarah, I think a few weeks ago, uh, about the Briar Lab. So, um, went up to Indianapolis, uh, end of last year, spent a week with, uh, Michael and Nate and Sarah and Joe Hinkle, um, uh, Talking about an up-and-comer, though, that's a guy that if, if you want a really, really nice pipe at a, at a good price, Joe Hinkle's uh, just grown so much as a car man. He's got such nice stuff. Um, so he's definitely a hot up-and-comer out of Briar Lab. So he's benefited from working under Nate and Michael as well. So, uh, But my, my week up there, it was really interesting, man. I learned a lot of how to, you know, drill things correctly and how to attach things correctly. But what was really missing is I haven't spent a lot of time on studying um, design aesthetics and the artsier side, I guess, of pipe making. And uh, basically what I did, I made a handful of pipes for the Briar Lab, took those up with, with my trip, and we sat down at a table with uh, Michael and Nate, and we kind of picked apart all of my pipes, uh, which is, you know, it, it's it's sometimes tough to, to hear really rough critiques of your work, but it was it was where I needed to be, so it was good for me, and I was, I was totally fine with it. So don't pull any punches. Um, tell me exactly what you think. Um, let's let's you know I need to see what I'm not seeing, um, and you know it basically showed me different angles and different ways to join things and certain things you can do just to improve the flow of a pipe. Um, you know, because to be honest with you, when guys said, "Oh, well, that pipe's fine, but it doesn't really have any flow," that didn't mean anything. It's like really hard for me to get what they're talking about. So when I could sit up there with, you know, Michael and Nate and they could pull out pipes of their own or pipes from other makers that they've got in their collection. And of course, um, Michael Winders also owns the pipe rack, which he's done a state pipes for, I can't remember the exact number of years, but it's got to be over 15 years. He's run that. So he has just boxes and boxes of all these pipes from all different regions of the world, you know, Kamoys and, uh, Dunhills and, you know, all the stuff. So he can, you know, when he wants to tell you, a concept, he can literally go grab a couple pipes out of his collection or out of his estate pipes and show you exactly what he's talking about. So that really helped me start seeing, you know, lines a little better. And he, of course, has his, every, every pipe maker, I guess, has their own bag of tricks that you can learn from, and, you know, about ways to, to, you know, view things or maybe to improve your work methods. Um, so that was pretty much what I spent time on with that week was just improving the designs and the, uh, the, the aesthetics of the pipe. Uh, as well as some of the same thing, working on um, just improving workflow and, and making better pipes. Um, so that was really an eye-opening experience. I mean, I can't can't uh, thank them enough for spending the time because it's really opened up my eyes. Um, I think the last batch I sent them, they had really noticed the improvement. So I'm starting to put together and use a lot of the information that they passed on to me. So that, and I can definitely see it in my own work as well, which is really good. Sometimes you, you you can't really see yourself progressing as fast as other people see you. So that's, um, but they definitely saw it. And I can definitely see it. I see better pipes myself. So um, still learning, still working at it. Um, I've got a lot to really refine and, and hone in and really um, affect what I've learned from them. So there's just so much information, but it's getting there, man. So it's been, it's been a really fun learning experience. I'm looking forward to getting back up there with them and I'd love to get back in the shop with Grant another day too. That guy's just the nicest guy on the planet, so he learned a lot from him too. But it's been fun. Out of all your studies under other people, what was the hardest part of pipe making that you had to learn? What was hardest for you? Uh, hardest part for me, and I think it's a common problem, is not taking off enough material uh, across the board. Like everybody's afraid of running in too close to those uh, 
you know, airways or the chamber, smoke, you know, the bowl chamber, um, as well as the stems. So, you know, that's still something I find all the time. I'll, I'll look at a pipe, I'm like, yeah, it looks pretty good, and then I'll kind of sit on it and come back and look at it. No, you can do more. Uh, and Michael's uh, got a saying, I'm not sure where he got from, I and mean, it may be his, but he, he basically says, you want to take away everything that's not a pipe. Uh, and a lot of times I'd have a pipe that I thought was really where it needed to be, and I could get up there with Nate and Michael, and they'll take a you know, either their thumb or a piece of paper and kind of show you, like, see if you're just taking that little eighth inch off there, see how much better that pipe would be. And it's just sometimes the smallest amount of material that makes a huge difference in the lines of the pipe. Uh, and that's something I'm still fighting to learn to see as just a learned science. You, know, you have to be around it to see enough of it to start understanding, you know, where to take off more material. Uh, I've, you know, had a you know, in the older days, I had some chunkier stems, too. I was always afraid to get in real thin on those stems, but uh, I'm getting a lot better at that, so that's taking a lot of the weight off the, the pipes as well. So, um, but yes, I think that's the hardest part for me is just the uh, overall, you know, artistic flow and the design uh, and the aesthetics of the pipe to really get those to, to where you can, uh, you know, see um, it, it's what it should be, uh, not that it's not quite there yet. And I guess... Um, Interesting story is my wife, of course, she's always, you know, your wife should be your, your best uh, fan, so but she's always like, oh, your stuff's great. It looks just as good as everybody else. And then we were actually in the Nashville show. I guess that was uh, last year. Yeah, it was last year's Nashville show, and Scott Klein had his pipes out, and he opened up his case, and my wife looked at it, and you saw her eyes bug out. She's like, you know, really got to see what, when you take all the material off and you really make things work the way they should work, how... You know, just an amazing piece of art. I mean, they're great smokers, too. I got a chance to smoke one of Scott's pipes one time, too. They're amazing smokers. But just artistically, that guy can do just amazing things with, with you know, the materials that he's given. So that was when she kind of looked at me. She was, oh, now I get what you were always saying. Because I'm always never happy with exactly what I'm doing. Which I guess anybody who does anything that's slightly artistic is never going to be 100% happy with what they're doing because they're always striving for better. But, but I think it was the first time my wife really saw Wow, man, that's that. I get what you're saying now when you're talking about flow and motion and, and you know the, the design elements that go into you know. I don't want to say I'm a high grade pipe, but that's where I'd like to be somewhat day down the road. But definitely Scott Klein, that's high grade pipes. That's just a really amazing what that guy can do. So uh, that was an eye opening experience for my wife to kind of help her. And she's she's been learning a lot with me. So now she she's almost as good at picking apart pipes and stuff as I as, as the guys have been around the block doing it. So. Um, so that was kind of cool to see. It, she's good at, at picking apart pipes, or she's good at nitpicking at your pipes? Um, she kind of, a uh, little both. I mean, she oh, okay. sees in other people's pipes kind of what things should be. So when she picks up, like, or looks at, like, a Grant Batson pipe or a Nate King pipe, and then she looks at mine, she goes, yeah, you see how Nate is this way? You know, you probably should take a little more off there. Probably look better. So she's getting better about seeing it too. And it's just it's an education process. That's the same thing I'm going through. And sometimes just having somebody else's eyes on it, because you stare at a pipe from the block through drilling and all the way through shaping. And sometimes you just get you know kind of not necessarily your eyes themselves being fatigued, but just looking at the same piece of wood. You sometimes it's better just put it down and come back to it another day or a couple hours later, or even have somebody else take a look at it. Um, that's something I really thought was cool about the Briar Lab because they've got, you know, a collection of carvers all under the same roof. And, uh, you know, many times when I was up there working with Michael, you'd see Joe come over or, or maybe come over and say, hey, man, 
you know, this isn't quite what I want, man, but I really don't know where to go with it. I'm looking at it and it just doesn't. And, you know, Michael will pick it up and go, you know what? I think it's this over here. And, uh, you know, you hear you know, Joe go, well, I thought it was back here. He goes, no, I think that's fine. It's up here on the front of the bowl. If you took a little more weight off and sure enough, Joe would go back and he'd take a little more off and that was it. You know, it's just it's nice to have, especially trained guys. I mean, I wish I could, you know, keep some guys like that in the garage with me to help out. But even even sometimes just having you know my wife look at it and kinda of go, Yeah, kinda of, something about it's not right, I'm not sure, but maybe maybe it's this. You know, sometimes that'll make a light bulb go off in my head and I'll go back out in the shop and take a little bit more off and, you know, hopefully get it to where we want it to go. So it really helps. It helps have another eyes on it. Well you know what? I got a friend who plays professional baseball. So yeah. I'm not going to say for what team, but he's been to the World Series a couple times. And uh, he has a favorite. He has a, he always says, you know, everybody has someone in their field that they think was the best ever. You know, someone they look up to. Uh, he always talks about, oh, what's his name? Reggie, ja- uh, Reggie Jackson? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he always talks about Reggie Jackson, how he was the greatest baseball player ever. For his taste. Me, I train cutting horses. And I think the greatest cutting horse trainer ever is Matlock Rose. Uh, you know, Pete, who would you consider to be the best pipe maker ever? Ah, uh, man, that's a, that's a hard one. Everybody's got certain things they excel at, so it's kind of hard to narrow it down. I will tell you, I, you know, the guys I've worked with, I've learned a lot from, and, and you know, definitely I look for them just because I've worked with them and there's, there's a relationship built there, but, one of the guys really just, um, it's not necessarily the style of pipes that I make, but when I look at his stuff, it just blows me away. It's Tony Nielsen. And that guy's another guy that's just super nice, humble guy. But, uh, he's out of, uh, Denmark. Of course, he spent half the year in Kentucky. Um, but yeah, every time I get a chance to look at that guy's pipes, it just blows me away what you can do. Uh, and some of the angles that he drills at and the cleanness of his work. I mean, you look in, I mean, the inside of his pipes are as nice as the outside of the pipes. Just, just everything about it is so flawless. Um, and he does such wonderful, you know, cool shapes. Um, so that's probably the guy that for the longest time has been always someone that I was just blown away with. Um, I actually used to have one of his pipes, actually. I'd saved up and saved up and saved up. And I finally bought one of Tony's pipes. And he, he'll even tell you, I don't know if it's just that pipe, but he'll tell you that, you know, that was, he said, for what you do, he said, the way you smoke, and for what you smoke, that was a special pipe for you. Because I, I stupidly sold that pipe when I was buying pipe equipment. And to this day, I still look on eBay and stuff trying to find that pipe, because I'd buy it up in a second if I could buy it again. Because it was just, and you know, something about that pipe, and I don't know what it was, but that was the best smoking pipe I'd ever had. Anything I put in it just smoke flawlessly, and I was telling him that story in Nashville, and he was just like, he says, I wish I could tell you that any of mine would be that way, but it was probably just that pipe, and just the way you smoke, and what you smoke, as he said, you shouldn't have lost it, I said, yeah, I know, I'm paying the, paying the price now, man, because I've got some good smoking pipes, but nothing that, that really hit what that one did, so, um, yeah, someday down the road, man, I'd love to save up and get another one of those pipes, it's a little little out of my budget, but, uh, but yeah, I love his work, he's always been someone I looked up to, so. All right. And uh does your wife make pipes too or has she tried it? No, she hasn't she hasn't tried uh, pipes. Um I think she just likes it because it keeps me out of out of her hair and uh keeps me out of trouble. But uh she definitely enjoys the artistry of it and she enjoys the company that we you know, the guys we meet through the, the uh industry and you go into the pipe shows. 
Um, she actually kind of looks forward to going to the shows um, when she can. Um, she has a, just as good a time as I do. Um, so, uh, but yeah, she's not not a pipe smoker herself though. She's she's a big bourbon fan though. So she well, she lacks in pipe smoking. She takes care of on her, on the high grade bourbon. So she's a big bourbon fan. All right. So she just enjoys the rewards and not the work. There you go. Right. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Okay. That that that's how most relationships are. What type of pipe materials do you enjoy working with the most? You talked about bamboo. You talked about some other stuff. What do you really yeah, enjoy yeah. working with? Um, as far as um, the pipe bowls themselves, I've done mortar and olive wood and strawberry wood. Um, to be honest with you, I just still a big fan of briar. Like I think briar is my hands down favorite to work with. Um, as far as the actual bowls and as far as stems, I definitely learned early on. I'm not a fan of acrylic myself. Um, I definitely like, um, just ebonite, whether it's Cumberland or, or just regular old black ebonite. Um, that seems to be a really good material that I like the feel of it in my, you know, when you're smoking it, but also like the way it tools, uh, it seems, seems to drill and tool and, and sand and polish really well. And that's, that's a pretty much a standard in the industry too. Um, I dig bamboo, but I definitely struggle with making bamboo, uh, work as well as far as the flow. That was one of the first things that Nate and uh, Michael worked with me on. Um, so, uh, and, and it's made a big difference. Actually, I've got, uh, a pipe, um, an older bamboo pipe that's on their website as well as a new one. And that's, it looks like two different carvers made it. So, um, that's something that's interesting. So anytime you're putting something organic on a pipe, um, it, it, you, you, I guess the struggle is, is you want to make the rest of the pipe look as organic so it looks as one piece. Um, and that's something that Michael worked a long time with me, and I'm still working on getting that right. But, um, but yeah, so I, I dig horn. I dig uh, the bamboo. I just like things to you know give some, some different interest to the pipes. But um, for me personally, when I'm looking for a pipe, I like really stripped down. I don't like ornamentation on my pipes. I usually like a, a sandblasted pipe. Um, now, I like to make a bunch of different styles, but as far as my personal collection, they're all rusticated or blasted, and they typically are straight or quarter bent and just a plain old stem. Uh, probably because I treat my pipes pretty rough. I smoke them in the shop and out back and stuff like that, and I literally keep my pipes in the same drawer as my sandpaper, So, um, which is funny, um, you know, considering most guys take really good care of their pipes and put them in nice cases and keep them nice and polished. I mean, I like to make them that way, but I don't know, for some reason, I kind of just... Uh, beat up my pipes. They're more just like a good old pair of work boots or jeans to me. Um, so, you know, I've seen a few of your pipes on there. You know, you got the briar bowl, you got the bamboo shank, all that. How did how does one go about molding a piece of bamboo to the briar? Do you do, what do you use to stick the two together? Uh, it's actually um, you take a piece of a stainless steel uh, surgical tubing that has a five thirty seconds internal diameter. Um, which will be the same as your air hole that you're drilling throughout the bamboo as well as the stem uh, and the briar itself. Um, and you actually, um, it's about an inch, I guess, that you use for each end. And you're going to uh, score that and rough it up, and then you'll epoxy it into the briar and into the uh, bamboo itself. And then, of course, you'll, you'll sand and finish everything flush so that you don't see any of the epoxy. It's just on the internals um, holding everything together. Um, and of course on the, uh, bamboo, uh, stem side of it, only half of it's epoxy and you got the epoxy into your, uh, stem itself. And of course the stainless steel, you make a tenon out of the stainless steel that goes into the bamboo, um, 
which is how most of those work. So, so the bamboo, a lot of guys always ask if the bamboo has a stainless steel rod through the entire bamboo. It's not through the entire thing because you'd actually want to keep that open because that bamboo has a nice absorber material. So you, it kind of helps absorb some of the extra moisture from the you know, steam as you're smoking. But I don't think you'd want to run a stainless steel through the whole thing. But, uh, yeah, just on the ends. Um, so that was something that Grant worked with me on. And, uh, it's pretty neat to see the process. Like it's, it, it's, it is, it's, it's definitely when you look at a pipe and you're trying to figure out how the heck do they do that. And, but once you see it, it's not as complicated as it looks. It's just, uh, just time consuming, just learning how to do it right. And that's why, I've, you know, instead of just trying to get it off the internet or figuring it out on my own, I figured, well, man, let me just go up here and get with these guys and watch them and knows what they're doing. And that'll definitely shave off a lot of me banging my head against the wall and, waste of material so um so i hope that answers your question does that make sense yes sir is is yeah. bamboo yeah. and horn, horns very similar so you're detaching that with uh well you can either mount it over the uh the uh actual uh briar itself but if it's a smaller piece attaching to a smaller pipe you'll use the stainless steel very similar to the method you would use for uh bamboo is bamboo or a horn, is that strictly ornamental or does it affect the smoking in a positive way somehow? Um, I, uh, for the horn, definitely ornamental. Um, I think with the uh, bamboo, um, it, it seems to be a pretty absorptive material. So I, I have to admit that I, I would think that that has to do something with the smoke. Uh, I might be wrong, but I would think with that much material, um, that it would do something as far as kind of taking care of some of that extra moisture that's carried through the steam as you're smoking a pipe. Now, of course, a good slow cadence is probably your best bet for making, you know, your pipe smoke well as long as it's well engineered. But, um, but yeah, I would think the bamboo's got some kind of properties that's probably helping out there with. All right. And how long have you been smoking a pipe? I got into it about 2004 or five. Um, I just remember buying cigars and I'd hit a rut where Cigars really weren't doing it for me, and frankly, the expense of the cigars was going through the roof. I still enjoy a nice cigar um, quite often, but um, but through that time period, I remember I just was spending a lot of money and not really enjoying what I was smoking, and I was having a tough time finding um, cigars I liked at that time. So I figured, you know what, between all the money I'm throwing away on cigars that I'm not really enjoying, maybe I should try something else. So I went up to uh, actually found SmokingPipes.com and uh, bought I think a Peterson, a Nording, and there's one other pipe. I can't recall what it was now. Um, and um, got a sampler of GLPs, uh, tobaccos, which was um, pretty good luck for me just to find that sampler and to buy it because I was all starting with some really nice tobacco right from the get-go. Um, and, of course, man, it took once I got home and figured it out. I mean, you had to figure it out, you know, lighting it and keeping it lit and all that was a little bit of a struggle, but those tobaccos really just, just – blew my mind on how much different pipe tobacco tastes than uh, cigars um, and the variety of different, you know, flavor profiles you can get out of different blends. Uh, I remember that first sleeve of sampler tobaccos that I got was um, GOP's uh, Hot as Delight. Uh, I think there was um, Black Point, uh, Charing Cross, Cumberland, and there was one other one, I think Barbary Coast. I think out of all those selections... The only one that didn't really do it for me was the Barbary Coast. I enjoyed, but I had a really tough time keeping it lit, which I've actually heard since then. That's right, because it's cased in uh, brandy. Actually, it's, it's sometimes a little tough for guys to keep lit. So I never could really figure that one out, even though I didn't mind the flavor. I just couldn't get it, you know, get it to work for me. But, but um, definitely still enjoy all the other 
tobaccos. I buy Cumberland's probably my number one tobacco and has been since then. Um, so that's, that's, was a good way to start. So I got lucky. I didn't do the, uh, basket pipe and, you know, cherry blend and burn my tongue to death like a lot of cats do. So I just got lucky, um, that I just went ahead and invested in the, uh, hobby and got started. Do you still smoke those, uh, same tobaccos or? Did you move on yeah. to other types? Yeah, no, I've got a lot of other blends. Um, I, I like to try everything. Uh, I'd say my my top four or five is Cumberland by GOP. So I like uh, Silver Flake by Solani. Um, 633, as I think they're Virginia Freak blend by Solani. I like that a lot. Uh, and Union Square is actually fabulous if you like straight Virginias. It's a great Virginia from GOPs. Uh, he's more known for his uh, Latakia blend, but, man, he, he could knock it out of the park with a good Burley blend or a Latakia blend. Or a, uh, sorry, a, um, Virginia blend as well. Uh, I love McClellan stuff. There's very little McClellan stuff that I don't like. There's something about their, um uh, tobaccos I really enjoy. Um, their Virginias as well. And then, uh, Cornell and Deal. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I might not be, but C and D tobaccos. I've enjoyed theirs. Um, but there's, man, there's so much else to try, man. I'm still trying to work my way through all the new blends coming out. Like there seems like there's a new blend every, uh, every other week. So, uh, yes, it's hard to keep up with it all, but. That's what tobacco shows, that's what pipe shows are for, though. You get to go sample a lot of that stuff and try out things at the shows and swap tobaccos with other guys, so. Well, it's looking like if you want to try some of the new blends, you better jump on it because, uh, with these, yeah, that's with these, man. yeah. I'm still trying to figure out what the FDA is doing, so, um, that's, uh, I really want to research that and see what's going on with that. It's just such a mountain of information to sift through and there's just so many things that they're trying to monkey with so that, that definitely worries me so yeah i've heard something about someone was saying yesterday that they're going to actually be regulating pipes themselves and i don't see how they can do that but yeah i think because of the the uh e-cigarettes and the and the uh what do they call them? the uh vape, vape pipes i guess that, that's i guess they're kind of lumping the tobacco pipes um, that we make into uh, those which is kind of ridiculous if you think about it but I think the problem is you have an uneducated uh, legislator that has nothing to do with the industry making all the rules. So they just lump us all in one category without, you know, talking to anybody. And, of course, it's unfortunate that it comes to us. We have to pursue them and try to knock them back in the in the line and educate them, um, which is, I hope, what the uh, big guys in the tobacco industry are doing right now, and as well as, um, you know, the smaller guys getting a hold of the congressmen and signing the petitions and, um, it's frustrating to do because I know when you sign those petitions, you feel like it does nothing, but I feel like you've got to do at least something, um, whether it's a email to a congressman or sign one of those petitions or, you know, so well, I, hope, I, hope, I hope it doesn't end up the way they're, they're looking like it is right now. Oh, I guess, I guess what you do is you just take a little piece of the briar, cut it flat where it covers the top of the bowl. You make like a little lid or something for the pipe and say it's a portable candy dish or something. Right, right. Sneaking under the radar. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be ways around it. There's got to be yeah. ways around it. It's an ornamental candy dish. There you yeah. go. Yeah, I, I guess the biggest thing that bothers me with that legislation is just affects so many small guys. There's so many small businesses that, whether it's the pipe makers or the, the small blenders, and you know, all these people making a living at it. it just makes it harder and harder on those cats to make a living. And you know, for the cats that work hard that, that aren't in that industry that just enjoy it, the hobby and the, tobacco man it's a shame that something that they enjoy that their small you know bit of peace and relaxation can be you know literally legislated out from under them with a couple of bad decisions 
Yeah. You know, putting yeah. the law, so that's kind of a drag too, but. Yeah. But like you said, it's in e-cigarettes and vapor cigarettes or vapor pie, I don't know what it is. But leave it to the yep. guys that puff on the deuce flutes to uh, mess it up for the rest of us. That's, that's true. That's true. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Nobody knows, really. I mean, I've been talking to a lobbyist and everything else, and they're still saying, I have no idea what's going on. I mean, so, I don't know. I mean, nobody understands yeah. it. Nobody understands it. Yeah, yeah, I see a lot of information on Facebook, but you don't know which is true and which is not, so it's kind of hard to, you know, I'd like to hear from one of the higher-ups in the uh, industry to maybe uh, see what they've gotten a hold of. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I've, I've been talking to, uh, you can't get much higher up in the industry than what I've been talking to, and been waiting on him to go on the show, and I talked to him just yesterday. And, oh, good. and he's like, well, and we didn't record because he said, my lawyers are still trying to make sense of all this. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds like the, the, the whole legal process. <laughs> yeah, nothing makes sense. And he yeah. doesn't, he doesn't want to go on the show until he knows for sure that he can put his money where his mouth is. Oh, sure. I don't blame him. Yeah. So it's a, it, it's just throwing everybody for a loop and it's going to hammer the community in a huge way. I mean, it's not only going to affect tobacconists and pipe makers and retailers and all that stuff, but I mean, look at the number of tobacco growers. The commercial tobacco growers. Lots of jobs are going to be lost if these uh, retailers and tobacconists and all this uh, can't can't blend their tobaccos. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I was saying the, the brick and mortar stores have already taken such a hit just with the taxation in general. These are just about run them out of business. So um, I actually noticed uh, one of the tobacco shops in Nashville is up for sale already. I don't know if they decided. I'm not sure what the reasoning for putting it up for sale, but I, I almost find it coincidental that right about the time this legislation starts hitting, they decide to try to sell it off. I mean, I just know a lot of guys are finding it so tough to, you know, keep afloat with the legislation and taxation, so. You know, out here where I live, we don't have any actual brick and mortar shops. If you want a pipe, all you have is them little basket pipes and stuff like that at the drug stores and the little tobacco shops. Right. And uh, I was thinking about opening a just a consignment shop for artisan pipes yep. out here in our area. I mean, there's a lot of pipe smokers, but everyone has to go all the way to Dallas or something like that to get a pipe. So I was going to, I was looking at just opening a little shop out here, you know, you know, rent a little office space and people, pipe makers can send their pipes down here and they'd sell pretty quick. They yep. would. But, uh, you know, with all this, uh, with these, as soon as these new FDA laws came out and I read all 500 pages of it, well, I figured it was time to slam on the brakes on that idea because, yeah, I mean, just, it seems like nobody is going to win. Yeah, that's scary to look at, but yeah. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll straighten them out. So, hopefully, hopefully, but you know what, realistically, realistically. You can we can sign all the petitions we want. We can make all the phone calls we want. We can do whatever we want. But it's already been passed into law. And for any of that, so it just take a 
miracle of God to have it turned around. It really would. And being it's already passed into law, there's really nothing we can do. There, there, there's really not. Because believe it or not, I mean, yeah, the pipe and the cigar community is pretty big. Pretty big. But who really, how many people really want to go out there and put their name out there and really try to stir something up? You know, I talked, well, I talked to this, I, I told this lobbyist, I said, you know what? Y'all can use my show as your front line for your campaign. I said, any lobbyist can. Y'all come on, do that. And they told me, they said, you're the first person that stepped up saying that we can do that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's important to a lot of us, so it's definitely to have somewhere where they can tell us exactly what's going on and how we can combat it. That's the way we need to go. So Yeah. I mean, and like they told me, they said the thing really to do would have been for people to raise ruckus about it before the laws passed. But no one really knew that the laws were going to pass. They just kind of like popped up overnight. Yeah, most of that so. stuff down the line, closed doors, and we don't, we, you know, normally we catch wind of it when it's already, like you said, the ink's already dried, you have to combat it from there. So I think we have, what, till August to, to petition against it or something? I, I think it's 90 days, is what they were saying, but, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, but, you know what, there's ways around everything. There's ways around everything. This might be the, this might end up changing from Piper's talk radio to a, the decorative candy dish radio. So Right. Right. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? The the curve the curved paperweight radio show with the hole in the top of it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric, what kind of advice are you gonna give a new pipe maker? A new pipe maker? Uh for a new pipe maker I would say find somebody that's already doing it. It's the time you could spend in the shop. You learn so much faster and so much better. Um, at least for me, I did because I'm more of a visual person than you will off the internet. I mean, YouTube videos help quite a bit. And of course, Pipe Makers Forums is just a great, great resource. There's a ton of information there, but I've always found I could, you know, seeing it and watching somebody do it and watching the method behind it, um, really, really helps. So if you can make buddies with a, anybody that's been doing it a little while to steer you right on equipment and different techniques. That would be your best bet. Um, so, you know, make the time to, to, uh, well, as I know the Briar Lab is doing classes now. So, I mean, getting out to Indianapolis is pretty easy to do. Just hop on a plane. They're, they're not too far from the airport out there. And, you know, if they've got some classes, that'd be a great place to go. Or, you know, there's a couple other pipe makers around the country that are willing to help, um, guys learn. Um, so that would be my best thing I could tell you as a pipe maker. If you're starting out, you know, find the right equipment, spend the, you know, buy the nicest stuff you can afford and get some time with a, uh, somebody who's already established that can steer you in the right direction. Well, you know, I'll recommend anybody go to Briar Lab to learn something. I mean, like you said, it's right by the airport. There's plenty of knowledge there. And Sarah will pick you up from the airport if she needs to. And she go. was, and she was telling me that she even has a condo. That has a room that some people, that people when they come and stay the weekend or something, can stay yep. there. That's what, that's where I stayed. I stayed in their condo and, uh, got the, well, actually we probably spent more time in the lab than we did the condo, but I, that's where I went to sleep and shower. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, uh, Michael's, uh, real good about getting around town. If you like to eat, he's kind of a foodie. He can tell you where to eat too. We ate a lot of really cool restaurants that he knows about, especially if you're into different international foods. Like we did a, 
I think a Vietnamese restaurant over there, an Ecuadorian restaurant, uh, and it's good food, good times, good people, a lot of good information on making pipes. Yeah, it's a blast, man. It's like a vacation. Are you so, going to go up there for the open house? I don't know if I'll make it for the open house. I've got a lot going on. We got, I'm doing three shows this year and I might try to get back up for some learning, uh, to the Briar Lab this year. We're trying to figure out that because my wife travels a lot too. So we have to kind of balance the travel schedules. Um, but, uh, cause I think that's coming up in July. Yes. Um, so I'll have to take a look at that day again, see if that's something I can pull off. But, uh, but yeah, that'd be a blast too for anybody that wants to check it out. That'd be fun, fun way for you to kind of see what they're all about. And I think, uh, I know they did last year. They made some barbecue. So if you're a barbecue guy, I think they used, um, briar wood, like scraps to, uh, smoke the meats on. So, um, so that may be interesting, interesting for all the barbecue guys. If they're going to do that again this year, I'm pretty sure they did that last year. So yeah, that's what they're doing again this year. There you go. Yeah, yeah free barbecue, man. That's the way to go. Yeah, yeah. In an open house, I mean, that that's, you get to take a look at their lab and see how everything works, and it's an open door. Just go. There you go. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, that that was a Sarah and Nate and all them up there at Briar Labs. Those are some good people. Good yeah, people. Good, good bunch. Yeah. So. Eric, tell people how to look at your pipes. Tell them how to order them. Uh, tell them how to get a hold of you. Yep. Yeah, uh, be- best way to find me is uh, cloakpipes.com. It's K-L-O-D-T pipes.com. And then Briar Lab has a good amount of my pipes. Actually, Briar Lab has a lot more pipes than I have currently right now. I send them all my pipes. I just made. And then uh, Tobacco Pipe Collectors also has some pipes of mine. All right. And, uh, so Briar Labs, y'all can find uh, Briar Labs. I have a link to their website on my webpage at pipers at piperstalk dot com. Just go there. There's a link directly to Briar Labs. Look at his pipes right there. And Eric, tell the world one thing that you're just absolutely dying to tell them. Go for it. Something that I'm dying to tell them for the pipe makers or pipe uh, smokers. Um, just uh. Best thing I can tell you that I learned the hard way too is just uh, learning to slow down your cadence, man. You get so much out of tobacco if you can slow it down to a sip. That'd, that'd be the best thing I could tell all the guys out there. A lot of other guys have already figured that out. That's, that's something that once I figured it out, which just really opened up my eyes to what tobacco can be. So just slow down that cadence of smoking. All right. Well, Eric, I appreciate having you on the show, and hopefully everybody goes to cloakpipes.com. And takes a look and see what you got and get a hold of you and order a pipe or two or three. I appreciate the time. And I love I love listening to your radio show. Uh, I'm glad you listened to it. I am glad you listened to it. Uh, and hopefully after we get all this FDA stuff figured out, I can have you back here on this show talking about how big your pipe business has gone. There we go. That'd be a pleasure. All right, Eric. We will talk to you next time, buddy. Thank you, sir. All right. All right, y'all, that concludes my show for the day. Y'all look me up on my website and listen to the past shows, housebriar.com. You can find me on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just go in there and search for Piper's Talk. Y'all, I got a Facebook group. If you ain't a member, join up. Meet all kinds of cool people. See the updates, what's going on with the show. The group is, of course, Piper's Talk. So until next time, y'all, I am Piper George with House of Briar Piper's Talk Radio. And uh, y'all do like I'm going to do right now and have a good night and keep on smoking. Smoking.